Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. And uh, so I thought, you know, it's time for me to kind of lay that foundation, talk about it here in, in, in a little more detail so that we understand what it is that God has spoken over our lives, what God taught the children of Israel, and something that we continue to walk in today, and we see it activated. So <clears throat> we reap what we sow. That's what we talked about last week. We reap what we sow, Galatians 6, 7, and 8. And then there in Luke 6, Jesus is saying the measure we use will be measured back to us. Give, and it'll be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I like that verse because it's more of a positive sense. In other words, as we are, are motivated to, to, to give and to sow those seeds, uh, God will bless us. Now, last week we talked about how it can be, you know, it does work in, 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 in a negative way. We know that about sin, that if we sow sin, that we will reap that. But we talked about character last week. We talked about how as we're sowing into relationships, as we're sowing faithfulness and loyalty and character, as we're sowing that in relationships, in our relationship with God, with other people, the more we do that, it will be poured back into our life. So, if, so I asked you last week, what do you want? What are you looking for? And if you want that, then you've got to plant the seed. And the beauty is God says if what you do in faith, God will return it uh, again with more, with increase. So this law in context, I want to share just kind of what I see is kind of three levels and this, to, to help you see maybe how it operates in your own life. And we've all experienced this because we go through times when we're a little stingy with our seed. We're a little stingy with our giving. And it's because for many different reasons. But if we look at the kind of the first level of how we see this operate, and that is that if we don't give. In other words, if we tend to be people that's just like we're always expecting to receive and we're not givers, you know, in, in time we may receive, but it will be from our own making. It'll be from the sweat of our brow. It'll be from the force of nature that comes out of our will. And so we may get something, but it'll be kind of like the scratching of the dirt. It'll be like, again, forcing people to give us what we want. But a lot of times it will come with loss it won't be as much as we were thinking it was going to be, and we won't even be able to enjoy it. In the Proverbs, it says that God blesses the, the, the righteous with wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. And that little phrase at the end is kind of the key, isn't it? Very much the key. You can have a little bit and really enjoy it. It's like that kid with that homemade toy having a blast with that, that toy that he's made out of sticks and woods and, and stone. And the other kid who's got a $1,000 gift who just doesn't seem to enjoy it, you know? It all is about that. And again, so that's kind of like the first level. It's just kind of that scratching, hoping to receive. Second level is to give what you would give, have others give to you. Remember that scripture, you know? Give what you would have others expect. And, and I think that's good, but I think that's just kind of a first level. In other words, that I'm going to give you only what I expect in return. And still, you kind of look at that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's selfish in its motive, but I think it's very base and very human to, to say, look, you know, I want, you know, love in return, and so I'm going to give it. And I call this one-for-one -one giving, and it requires no sacrifice and no real faith. It's okay, 
but there's something much, much better. And that is the sacrificial and giving sacrificially and giving in faith, and you'll gain even more of what you had. And the Bible tells us running over. So that's another level. And of course, what is required there is faith, is trusting God, you know, to give of what you would eat, the seed that's in your hand. The temptation is to take the seed that you have and eat it all up, but you won't have anything in return, but to sow some of it and watch God do some powerful things. So these tr truths were taught by Jesus and lay part of the foundation for understanding the secrets to the kingdom of God, which is what he described them as being. And that's interesting, isn't it? Secrets to the kingdom of God, secrets that nobody else knew. And here Jesus is laying them out very, very uh, you know, lovingly, very casually, and, and just kind of speaking of them as just everyday truths. And the people just gobbling it up and just saying, look at his authority, look at what he's doing. And the church begins to embrace this. The people of God begin to embrace it because it pushes us out of that level one kind of living. In other words, to just kind of scratch, just survive. See, God wants to, us to live beyond survival. And yet what we find in the stats of our nation is there's such a huge percentage of people in America that are still just surviving. And God does not want that for us. God wants something more. And I mean beyond, you know, and what I want you to make sure you understand is this is not just financial. I mean, survival in relationships, survival in your emotional tank, uh, survival in, in, in just every, every area of our life, okay? So God seems to really care, because Jesus talked about this all the time. God seems to really care about fruitfulness, and more than just fruitfulness, but the ongoing ability to exponentially grow. So God's into that. And we talked a lot about that. So I won't repeat that from last week. You can check it if you missed it. But this makes complete sense when you look at creation. Everything that God made, he made with seed in it. Isn't that cool? In other words, he wants each of what he created to be able to not only one for one, but to actually exponentially grow. In other words, so lots of seed. And... Uh, I'd like to say a few more things about that, but, you know, in these days and times, it might be considered controversial, but what the heck, why not? Uh, what did Jesus, what, I mean, what did the Father say to Adam and Eve when, they, when he created them, and, and he brought them together, and essentially they were married. What did he say for them to go and do? Be fruitful and what? Wait a minute. Did he say addition? Did he say be fruitful and add? Uh-uh. He said be fruitful and multiply. Okay, and it's interesting that in our society, in our world, that we're actually going through uh, that, you know, when it comes to population, and, and you, you don't want to believe all that you're reading out there. You really don't, because the truth is we're actually getting ready to co come into a population implosion. Part of what we see going on right now politically is because of the fear of whole nations collapsing, including China, by the way, because they have had this one-child policy for so many years. You violate a principle that God created, you will eventually pay the price. And so most nations are having this replication of 1.3 to 1.7 children per couple. And so you find that they're not replacing themselves. You've got to have two to replace the two, right? One for one. God says, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying, go on and have a bunch. Now, I know that pushes a lot of buttons there, and I'll leave that alone. 
But I just figured to show you that not only did God speak that over them as families, but God sees it in all creation. And, a lot of, and it's his wisdom. It's his ways. So today I want to look at this teaching uh, on seeds by Jesus from a different perspective. Because Jesus was talking about this agrarian thing from many different ways, because they're farmers, and he knew that they would understand truth best framed like that. And so if we look at Mark chapter 4, 1 through 8, I want to talk about the seeds and sowers and the soil today. Mark 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat, sat in it on the lake, out, out in the lake. And while all the people were, were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, our farmer went out to sow a seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So we see Jesus saying, look, this is a natural thing that we observe. And the disciples are listening to this, and they're just going, where's he going with this? And so they quite, don't quite get the, the, the metaphor. They don't get the, the, the spiritual translation. And so, you know, they're smiling and acting as if they understand. You know, they're sitting there standing up there with Jesus going, looking at, you know, Aunt Martha out there and saying, this is good, isn't it? He's so good. The whole time not understanding the thing he's saying. So after everybody leaves, you know, they come up to Jesus and say, um, hey, Jesus, what, what was that seed and soil thing? What were you really saying with that? And you could just see, you kind of feel in the, in the text, Jesus got to go on, gosh, man, you guys are not too smart, are you? And, you know, he's not trying to cut him down. He really isn't. But he's just saying, I've been with you all this time, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to teach you guys not only truth, but I'm giving you discernment. I want you guys to understand that there is a spiritual plane that is so much bigger, so much real, so much more impacting than anything you see with your natural eyes. So they're not quite getting it, but he just says, okay, I'll help you out. And so he t he's talking about the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, in this particular chapter in Mark 4, what we find is that Jesus goes into a bit of a whole teaching on seeds and in uh, parables, really, just a series of parables talking about the kingdom of God and how it works. And here is a significant one. So, so let's unpack this real quickly and how Jesus described it. And so we're talking about the kingdom of God. So we've got to start there with, that way. We've got to start there. This parable is referring to the kingdom of God. This parable is referring to how things work. And he's using something that we can all look at and say, absolutely, I get it. I can see we've all taken the ryegrass. We're kind of sowing the ryegrass right now in our, in our, in our late fall, uh, our fall grass. You can throw that out there. It's going to give you grass all winter long, the winter rye, they call it. Uh, so we all get that. And how, and remember, most of you probably know this, but for, and just in case you didn't know, back then they didn't, they didn't uh, plant in rows. They, they planted in plots. So they would cultivate a whole area, and then he would come with a bag of seed, the sower, 
the farmer, whatever, and he would have it slung over, and he would have it, maybe it was pitched in front in such a way as he could just walk and throw the seed. And they would often use the wind. They would like to choose a good windy day because then it would do what? It would cast and spread the seed. So they'd walk into that cultivated area and they would just throw it into the wind. And that would, what we would call cast the seed, or broadcast is a better word, broadcast the seed in such a way as it spreads out evenly. And so they would do that. Now, it would make complete sense in what, as we're setting up this, this, this analogy, this metaphor, parable, that he is going to throw it up in, in such a way is that not all of it is going to get exactly where you want it to go, okay? Because the wind is taking charge, and they don't care. It's just like, well, as long as the majority of the seed gets into cultivated soil, then, you know, that's good. Later in modern technology, we're a little more careful with the seed, aren't we? Because we put it in those rows, and, and you know, we're not gonna, we don't want to waste a single seed as best we can. We want to do such a way. We've just learned that have cultivating a little more uh, expertly. But then at the same time, we don't 100% understand. Uh, they're learning things that, that, that were done in the, the older times and the biblical times as being better. You can ask Will Mann about that. He's the uh, agricultural agent around here, and they're, they're discovering to go back in some of these, these, these ancient ways of cultivating were actually better than our, in our new ways. So he's talking about these soils, and now he's going to break them down, and I'm going to do that for you today. So the parable of the soils is that what we understand is that each of these soils is representing something that is critical, and that is the heart. Once again, what we find is that it's all about the heart. Jesus keeps coming back to that. He tries, and it, it really, if there was one major theme that unlocks the truths of Jesus Christ, it is this. It must begin with a heart that's open and hungry and humble and ready to receive this truth. Absolutely. You saw it as Jesus preached. You saw it as he preached, as he talked, those who would, he said it was a defining moment, that the words of God actually did a separating work. They, they absolutely uh, caused people to either have a hardened heart or an even harder heart, or a heart that was hungrier, more humble, and would follow Jesus anywhere he went. Or there would be those who were on the outside just criticizing him the whole time. It was a catalyst to change, one way or the other. And it's interesting, isn't it? So he's now going to say, look, let me tell you about how this whole thing works. Why the heart is so incredibly important when it comes to truth. That we don't just listen with it with our ears and walk out the doors and not be changed. And so we need to be thinking about the soil of our heart here. We need to be very, very careful where that seed is being sown. So he, let's, let's take it apart here. First of all, he talks about the farmer sowing the seed. And what is the seed? Well, the seed is the word of God. The, the farmer could be the Lord. The farmer could be anyone who's speaking the word. How, whatever it is, the word is going forth. But for our purposes, we'll say it's Jesus. It's say, we'll say it's God speaking the word through any uh, vessel he chooses right? Either through me, or you're reading the Word of God, or you're driving down the road and listening to uh, the radio, or you're reading a book. However that Word's going to come, it's coming, and it's the seed, okay? And what is the Word? What is the specific Word? It could be anything. Well, naturally, Jesus, is in, on the first level, is talking about salvation, 
right? Okay, so if we're going to do really solid hermeneutics here, we've got to start there. Say, yes, he's talking about salvation. You're hearing the word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you going to receive it or are you not? Okay? But the principle continues. The word of God has many more truths, for, especially for us as Christians. And what we're seeing is that this whole idea of fruitfulness, this whole idea of the word taking root in our life is so critical for us gaining what it is that God wants us to get. So that's where it is. It, it start there. It's the word. It's the seed. And, and in order for us to experience fruitfulness from the very get-go, what do we have to have? If you want to have a garden that has tomatoes and green beans and cucumbers and you want all that stuff growing, what do you got to do in the spring? You got to plant it. <laughs> it seems so silly. It seems so simple. But you're not going to look out your kitchen window and see a, a wonderful garden if you never plant the seed. You're not going to see it. But I think sometimes we are that silly when it comes to the spirit. Because we expect to see change in our life. We expect, expect to see things growing, but we have not cultivated. We have not cast the seed. So we're going to start with that from the beginning. So Jesus is saying, look, let's take a farmer. They'll go, yeah, well, we all know about that. He uses something so plain and so obvious to kind of shoot past the question, should I be sowing at all? Of course you should be. Because we all have to live. We all have to, we, 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 we want to have a good job. We want to be able to have a good marriage. We want to be able to have these things. So it's, it's obvious. We've got to sow some seed to make that happen. Is that right? So now he talks about where the seed ends up. And this is the most crucial part. He says, some of that seed fell along the path. So there's so a path leading to the, the cultivated area. He's casting. He says, some of that is, is falls on that path. Now, that's a well-trodden area. It's not cultivated. It's compacted. It's not a great place to be putting seed at all. And he's saying that, in essence, is like what some people's hearts are. Hardened, packed, well-trodden. Not a place that's been prepared at all. Life has worn it, has pressed it down in such a way as that, yes, the seed is cast upon it. That heart definitely hears the word of God, but that heart is not ready to receive the word of God. Now, that could describe so many people. That could describe unbelievers, couldn't it? Their hearts are hard. They're, they're pressed down. They're, it's, it's not ready to receive the word of God. But I think it's important for us to understand that it could also mean us. But look what happens to that seed. The seed doesn't just sit there and rot. No, 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 no. It says, but Satan comes. Well, the, the, the story says that the birds come, right? And picks up those seeds very quickly. That's a frustration about casting seed, by the way. Throw it out there. Everybody knows about how the birds come and snatch it up. Doesn't help that I like feeding the birds either, you know. But, it, but it's not about the bird. It's about Satan who immediately steals the word of God. And this really comes down to competing beliefs that allow the enemy to steal the word. So what does it really come down to? What is the condition of the soil? Untilled, uncultivated. What is the condition of the heart? Unbelief, hardened, not ready to receive it. Now, so once again, I don't want to just skip over that. And, and you know, you lean over to your partner, your friend, your, your, your wife or husband, and just say, well, that's for the unbelievers. You know, that's not us. Yeah, it can be us. There can be areas in our life 
that we've begun to harden off and we're not receiving the word. Could be in the area of unforgiveness. Could be in the, the area of, of, of unre, unconfessed sin. It could be anything in our life that we've allowed because we compartmentalize. We're so good at that. We're so good at that. That we can compartmentalize areas of our lives that we're not letting the seed, that, that part of our heart is not cultivated and can't reach, reach the, seed, the, 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 um, the place where it needs to go. And, and so I don't want to, us to just skip over the top of that. I think we need to catch that point. There's Will. Hey, Will. There's our guy. Need any, want to know anything about seed and soil? He's, he's our man. He, he knows the deal. So I just need a big amen from you today, Will. Okay, good. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. Right, excellent. Yeah, that's right. Will man is the man. Thank you, Andrea, for catching that. That's excellent. All right. So Satan tries to steal, steal the word. So that, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Why would Satan want to steal that seed? Well, because that's what he does. I mean, right? That's his job, is try to destroy the works of God and destroy God's people. He's got only one mode, okay? One mode, and that is to just kill and destroy is what the Bible tells us. But why a believer? One reason, unbelief. In other words, if that seed is just sitting there in a place, it's not beginning to germinate. It's not in cultivated soil. It's just hanging out there because unbelief has not covered, I mean, is, is not covered it with, with faith. It's, it's not allowed to. So the enemy can come, so we can hear a message. But if our heart doesn't receive it, we can hear a message, and we're going, no, 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 that's not me. And I tell you what, as a pastor, we see that more and more and more, whether we be talking about morality, whether we be talking about forgiveness, or whether we be talking about idolatry, right, or just saying that keeping our priorities. It's just like sometimes I can talk to a Christian and I can say, hey, what do you believe about forgiveness? All in, man, forgiveness. Yeah, you've got to forgive. Man, you've got to forgive. Cool. All right, what about morality? Oh, man, I understand morality. Yeah, got to stay away from pornography. Got to stay away from, you know, sexual sin and lying and cheating and stealing. Got that, Pastor David. Well, what about idolatry? And, and you know, I noticed that your priorities are a little out of whack there. You know, you kind of spend a lot of time doing that thing. Oh, don't touch that, Pastor. Don't, don't you dare touch that. Okay. But that's an area of your life that is not a cultivated place. And so it can be a bare spot. It can be an unfruitful spot. And yet God wants it all, doesn't he not? So Jesus is trying to say, look, it's all about the heart when it comes to the seed, and the seed is the word of God. So what I'm saying is this thing is much more universal than, a, than our first read. <laughs> it's much more impacting. It's more far-reaching than in our first read. All right, so let's keep going. Some of that seed also falls on rocky soil, rocky soil, and, it's re- and he describes it. He says, it's received with joy, but because they have no root, they only, and, and they only last a short time. Trouble, persecution, or hardship, they quickly fall away. That, that, that seed has gotten in among the rocks, and we've all seen that, where you can see a plant. I mean, I got, I got a little white wall that goes around our property. I don't know what the purpose was of it when they first built it, but I mean, hey, I got a wall going around my property. And and I get sometimes a little seed will get into the cracks in the wall. And I got little trees growing out of the wall. Matter of fact, have you ever, if you've ever down Ben Hamilton Street, from what I understand, it's quite a famous tree. Have you seen the tree growing around our wall? Have you seen that? A lot of people that grew up here, they walk past it apparently going to school. And I got a tree that grew up right in the middle of the wall, and it's grown right around it. It's pretty amazing. 
But what to me I see is sometimes when the seeds are growing out of the concrete, you look at that and say, that's amazing, but it isn't going to last. It's not going to be there very long because before long, it's going to get to the point where it needs more soil and it's got no soil. And that's what happens. It just kind of dries up, falls over, and dies. And that's what he's saying. He says, we've all observed this. And so he says, what is that when a seed is sown on rocky soil? Well, that's a heart that has got some soil in there, but that we've been allowed to let these rocks get in there. And what are those rocks? Well, they're, they're, it's lack of faith. Trouble and hardship have been allowed to stay. And you say, well, gosh, what can we do about that? Well, this is what you do about that. Is you look at trouble, hardship, and you don't give up. You don't let those things continue to pile up in you and begin to, again, what comes back to unbelief. I mean, it's really building one upon the other, but what we're talking about is just a lack of faith. And if our heart is just into religion, if our heart is just into feeling good, and that's what can happen to a church if we're not careful in these times, only wanting to go and hear what our itching ears want to hear. And so, you know, as a pastor, there are times when you're really challenged. You, you know, I see him. Come on, I see it on Facebook. I see it on Twitter. I see these mega church guys. You know, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But you know, I would wish I was 20 year, years longer and look like could look like a Stephen Furtick, but I ain't. That's not the way it's going to be. But you know what? I think sometimes these guys can be very, very tempted. And as a matter of fact, I actually have a prophetic word that I've got written down. And when God gives me the opportunity to speak it to a bunch of young pastors, I'm going to speak it. But it's, we got to be careful that if we think that Christianity is all about feeling good and prospering and having the best and being the head and not the tail and all those things which are wonderful, they're always good, but that's not, sometimes we go through seasons where we're struggling Sometimes you get sick, and you're feeling terrible. Poor Andrea, she's, she's been sick all week, and that's probably why she had to go out, because she's just not feeling 100%. But what we don't realize is that in the sickness, they know this, we know this biologically, we know this physiologically, that your body is actually strengthening itself. Your body is actually going through a good thing for you, that as it is fighting off the virus, as it is learning to build itself up, it's actually doing a good thing for you. So just constantly treating the symptoms, constantly trying to keep ourselves from getting sick and not experiencing trouble or hardship, or we're always trying to take the easy way out, that what's going to happen is that we're not going to build and grow in character. Perseverance produces what? Character. We see this biologically. We see this in our spirit as well. And so what happens is we, we've allowed the rocks to come in because we so quickly, we, we, we give up. There's trouble, a hardship comes, and we're just like, oh, man, I'm done. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not trusting God. I mean, I actually know a person who said that. They said, you know, I can do a much better job than God. Yeah, so disappointed in answers to prayer so disappointed in some of the things that they finally came to that point to just say, you know what, I'm tired of that. I'm going to start doing things on my own because I, I, from what I can see, I can do a better job than he does. Whew. I just want to step back from that, you know, get out of the way. Only, you know, I love this person, but I'll tell you, it, that's, that's a setup, man, and that's rocky soil. That's a heart that has not been cultivated. Those rocks of unbelief, those rocks 
of struggle, of the lack of faith, you know, have to be removed. And so Jesus is pointing that out. He's saying, man, they, they, they grow up quickly. They get really excited. And man, I'll tell you, I see that. I have seen that over 30-some-odd years of ministry, that people come up to me, and, and I'm not jaded, but I just lovingly look at them, and I'll just say, we'll see. When they come up and say, man, I'm so excited about Valley. I'm so excited about serving. I'm so excited about jumping in. I'm so excited about prayer. Man, when's the next awaken? When's this? When's that? And I'm just looking at them and saying, I love you. I hope to see you. I hope you're there. But a lot of times, during that period of time, trouble, hardship begin to choke it off. And nowhere to be seen. Given up. The seed is falling in rocky soil. It grows up quickly. But the first bit of hardship, the first bit of struggle, the, birth, the heat of life causes it to shrivel away. We ask God to help us with that. Then he talked about the next, another uh, bit of soil. Still others are the soil that has many thorns. He says, we hear the word. So the analogy, or what we would call the type here, is the thorny soil. But it's casting it. Some fell on the path. Some fell in rocky areas. Some fell in some thorny areas where it got somewhat cultivated, but it didn't, get all, it didn't pull all the thorns out. There's still some weeds growing in that area. And so some seed falls in there too. And he says, this is like those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness. Now see, the worries of this life kind of reminds us of the, of the soil before, but it gets more specific. The deceitfulness of wealth and the desire of material things choke out the word of God, making it unfruitful. So it's competing for soil. Now, Will will tell you that if a plant is to grow, it, needs, it doesn't need competition. It needs to have access to the soil around it. And so you start throwing weeds, and often, am I right, Will, to say that weeds are massive uh, uh, resource stealers? <laughs> they suck up a lot. And Keith, you know, man, we got a whole row of power there sitting there. Keith's a, a major farmer. He knows all about this too, you know, that you, get, you let those weeds go. They're robbing you. They're robbing from the plant. It's robbing it. Now it will grow, but what will it not do? Produce the kind of fruit you're hoping for because that weed is robbing, stealing from the nutrition, the nutrients that that plant needs to be receiving. And the same way works in our heart. So if our heart is busy thinking about things that are not in the will and the heart of God, then it's competing with the word. The word has been planted in there. God has said, you know, my kingdom come, my will be done in your life. That is the plant. That is the plant that will produce the most fruit. Now, what is the fruit? Joy, peace, sense of accomplishment, success is what we talked about last week. Somebody shouted that out, and what they want was success. Okay, you want success? Then do it God's way. Because we can all do the one for one, or we can all do a little scratching at the soil and get something in but with a little loss. We can do that, but God's got something so much better. It's doing it his way. And so he's saying that those, those, those that the deceitfulness of wealth, so the kingdom of God, what we find out, is so upside down. So give to get? Yeah. It may seem, you know, and, and this law of reciprocity is actually, the, to me, the easiest one to prove because you can see it in nature so well. 
I mean, in other words, to just say, well, look, there it is. It's built into all that God makes. Easiest one to prove. Uh, but so he's saying, you know, we've got to have this desire that's focused on God's fruitfulness, God's ways, and letting the word of God come in. And so what happens is our selfishness to kind of want to speed things up or to, to go into major debt to try to make certain things happen or to uh, violate some things that we believe on the inside. You know, uh, well, I, you know, people tell their stories. And they tell their stories so many ways, don't they? They tell their stories on social media. They tell their stories by what they do or what they don't do. So a profile is developed of a Christian's walk many times by just observing. Just by observing. In other words, the amount of fruit, the lack of fruit, what they communicate, who you're quoting. I mean, I've got friends who, who quote Walt Whitman and poets all the time, never see a word from Jesus. I'm glad those guys make you feel good, but they're all dead, and a lot of them were majorly depressed, but we won't talk about that. But what about the words of God, the ones that will really produce the wonderful kind of fruit that, we, that he wants us to have? And so the thorns represent so many things. He says deceitfulness of wealth, and boy, can that, that gobble us up, can, us, can it? When we, make, when we make getting rich our focus uh, we can really just get off, off track. And we can sow a lot of weeds among the truths that we, we know. And, I mean, I try to communicate that sometimes to people when I see them heaven-bent on becoming millionaires as a young person and to say, but is that really God's will for your life? Is that what God wants for you? And do you even know it? Okay? And then, of course, material things, so on and so forth. So what is that? It's the sinful thinking or idolatry that can come and choke out the word of God. And we all have to deal with that. We all have to deal with that. There's not a one of us who are outside the scope of that challenge. And sometimes it can be just a little weed. <laughs> it's sometimes it can just be a little weed sitting in there that got in to the mix of our heart. And one day we realize, man, I've been letting that thing and I've been cultivating, 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 Next thing you know, that one weed is really choking out a lot of things. And the amount of time I'm spending with God, and the amount of time I'm spending you know, doing things for the kingdom of God, and the amount of focus and energy. Sometimes we realize, we wake up and realize, maybe through a time of fasting, so on and so forth, that we realize, whoa, man, I got that thing. It's really gone out of whack. It's occupying way too much time of, of, of my emotion, of my time, my energy, my resources. Lord, I ask you to come and pull that thing up so that what you've sown in my life can take greater root. Finally, he said, other seed is sown on good soil. And this is a great place to, to, to finish with this because we want to be encouraged, amen? He says, that soil, that word gets sown on the good soil of our heart. And what is that good soil? It's tilled, it's cared for, rocks are pulled out, we get rid of the weeds, it's, it's good and dark, it's, or whatever. I mean, down here in the south, it's all red, up north, it's all black. But, you know, whatever. It's just full of nutrients, whatever that kind of soil is. You get it going, and, and you, you take care of it, and you, you turn it. And you, 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 you do so many things to care for that soil, so critical. That's our heart. It needs to be cared for. It needs to be prepared. So we need to really take more care of our hearts, don't we? We really do. 
Matter of fact, Proverbs tells us, guard your heart for it is what? The wellspring of life. Out of our heart comes everything. And so that's why it's so important to, to stand guard with it. And of course, I speak that over my children all the time. From the moment they're able to communicate, I tell them, guard your heart. Guard what you let in through the eye gates, the window to your soul, the window to your heart is through your eyes, your ears. You reinforce what comes through those gates in what you speak. Okay? So, so incredibly important. Preparing that good soil. So now when it says, it says we hear the word, we accept it. In other words, we believe, and then we produce a crop. So we believe it, and we act upon it, and it's going to produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. Now, sometimes you may be kind of a, according to your faith and your measure of faith. So you may be a 30-fold person. Some per, other person might be a 60-fold person. Another person might be a 100-fold person. Not our point, not our, not our place to judge or compare. But it's more likely going to be that there are some areas of your life that are 30, some are 60, some are 100. You know? So don't give up hope on being a 100-fold person. I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> your 100-fold time is coming. If you prepare the, heart of, the soil of your heart, you keep it fresh and open and tilled to say, Lord, come, put that seed of, put that seed of your word with regards to a relationship, whether it be my financial future, whether it be uh, the relationships, my, my, my physical health, my emotional health. I want to keep the soil of my heart well tilled to receive the word of God and let it grow, not let it choke out with doubt, with fear, with, uh, with anything, with, with idolatry, but let that thing grow. And he says it's going to produce a harvest. So that seed ends up getting on that soil. And he says that's the way it works all the time. So trust, trusting God, what he said is true, plus faith, believing what he said is true, and then acting on in obedience to what his word says will produce success. That's his promise. So folks, you know, this is not... You know, this is not a, uh, a weekend getaway where we're all shouting and jumping up and down and the throbbing music is playing in the background. And, you know, we're not doing that. This is simplicity. This is truth. And if your heart is well tilled today, you're going to receive this and it's going to affect your life. You're going to see the law of reciprocity work in you in major ways. And I love it. Man, at harvest time, that's the best time. That's when everybody's laughing. That's when all oh, you're reaping what you have done. You know, Keith, you're a farmer. Isn't it that the best time to bring it in? And you're just saying, man, when those chickens are going out or when the cotton's coming in, you know, I, we visited a peanut farm yesterday and just seeing it, you could tell it was a really bumper crop. They've, they've, they've done really well this year. And, uh, and so anyway, just there's, there's this sense of joy, that sense of accomplishment. The bins are full. I want you to see that and experience that in your life. The bins are full in your, in your heart. The bins are full in your relationships. The bins are full. Now, don't be discouraged when you think, of, well, Pastor David, I've sown a lot of seed in Rocky. I mean, my heart has been rocky. My heart has been thorny. My heart has been a little weedy. You know, don't be discouraged by that. Your heart can change just like that by allowing the Holy Spirit to come and recultivate it. Isn't that the coolest thing? That's what I love about the kingdom of God. That's what I love about being a Christian. 
I don't have to do a bunch of stuff. I don't have to earn this. All I have to do is, I mean, maybe get down on my knees. Maybe it's during just one song of worship. Maybe it's just listening to a word. That just in, the, in your heart, you just decide, Lord, forgive me. I, I've let these things go. Holy Spirit comes and says, done. Wash, clean, soil prepared. Just like that. Isn't that awesome? Don't you love your God? Don't you love what Jesus did for us? And so instantly, but again, we've got to be careful that we don't forget. Because it is God's truth. It is God's, God's loving truth. It's pressing in that leads us to repentance and brings us right back into being able to receive it. So what we learn from this parable is that the heart is absolutely key to unlocking the power of growth in every area of our lives. If we want personal, uh, personal and family growth, you want to grow as a human being, you want to grow in love for people, you want to grow in your ability. I mean, if people have pointed out to you that you're a little too negative, or you're a little too pushy, or you're a little too something else, you want to grow in those areas, then it's time for you to, to ask God to walk, recultivate your heart through repentance and, and confession and forgiveness and watch him, read, watch him do that. Watch him come and prepare this, the soil of your heart. Financial success. Of course, we have to talk about that. That's important because so many things you know, surround that. It's one of the three main pillars in marriages. It's, 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 it's a critical thing in our life, you know, that, that if, if we're, we're struggling with our finances, typically that is pointing to something else that's spiritual. We shouldn't forget that. And so if we want to break out of poverty, if we want to break out of just paycheck to paycheck, if we want to change our lives, then we need to embrace the law of reciprocity. If you've been doing a one-to-one life, if you've been scratching away, if you've been expecting everyone to just give to you and you never sow any seed, my friend, the measure you use, it will be measured back to you, both positively and negatively. Remember that. It's a kingdom principle. Always true, never changes. That's why they call it a law. Success in your divine purpose. What, what has God created you to do? If you want to see more of that happening, well, then prepare the heart, sow the seed. And then, of course, leaving a lasting legacy. You want your children to be affected and changed. You, you, when you go, you know, it says of the wicked, it says in the Psalms that the wicked will be like a flower that comes up very quickly, fades, and is remembered no more. But a legacy... Is, is people saying, that woman, that man was a person of faith. They loved God. They really loved God. We must trust to God that his ways will work, and it will just be seeds and soils and not much else if we don't. We'll be like those to whom Jesus referred in the end of his teaching on this. He said this. He said, those guys you see standing around on the outside, he refers to them. He's talking about the Pharisees, the unbelievers, because he's talking to them about the soils, and he said, look over there, and he prophesies this. Well, he takes it right out of uh, the Old Testament, out of prophets. They may, be, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn, and the Scripture says, and they might be saved or they repent. So that's the condition of those who just keep going through the motions. But in Jesus, we don't have to, Amen. So let's turn to our God and let the abundance of joy, peace, and provision flood our lives. 30, 60, 100 fold, amen? We can get it. Amen. Let's stand up this morning.